chapter twenty one of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa nuchette carey this librivox recording is in the public domain sunshine and clouds a friend who is both intelligent and well affected is the most valuable of all possessions herodotus about a fortnight after this eventful afternoon olivia received a note from greta begging her to bring her work and to spend a few hours with her the invitation was a pressing one please do not disappoint me she wrote for i want to talk to you so much i think i can promise that we shall have no interruption alwyn is going up to town for the afternoon and will not pay his usual call and then olivia who had planned to have tea with aunt madge put off her visit until another day and sent a verbal message of acceptance it was one of those late october days when a touch of frost in the air gives a hint of the approaching winter and the bright little fire in greta's pretty morning-room was very welcome greta was sitting at her embroidery frame as usual her deep mourning was relieved by the little knot of white chrysanthemums and red leaves that she wore and her fair serious face looked bright and animated dear olive it was so good of you to come she said as she ensconced her guest in a big easy chair i suppose you guessed that i wanted you particularly and olivia nodded i could hardly sleep thinking about it all olive we have settled the day mr gaythorne gave alwyn no peace and so he was obliged to speak to me he said it was very soon to ask me and that he would willingly have given me more time but that in his father's state of health any delay would only harass him so i said that i would be ready by the middle of december i hope you do not think i am wrong no indeed i think you are very wise alwyn was so grateful went on greta he knew my objection to a winter wedding but as he says it will be so nice to begin the new year together and after all what do these outward things matter at first i thought i would be married in my travelling dress and go straight away from the church and then i remembered how alwyn once said that brides ought always to wear white that it was symbolical and poetical and that you agreed with him marcus thought just the same returned olivia and though i was in mourning for dear mother aunt madge bought me a lovely white cashmere alas i have never worn it since but sometimes i take it out and look at it i remember how pleased marcus was with it shall you wear silk or satin greta and then greta owned that she had already decided on a rich ivory-coloured silk but we will not discuss my trousseau just yet she observed blushing there is plenty of time for that i shall have seven weeks for my preparations i want to tell you about yesterday olive you know i had promised to have luncheon at galveston house and that alwyn was to fetch me but before we left this house it was all settled and after luncheon alwyn told his father the dear old man was so pleased he made alwyn bring down his mother's trinkets a pearl necklace and some diamond stars and such splendid rings that he had given her and he told alwyn that they were all for me you know i never cared much for jewellery but alwyn will always want me to be well dressed so i shall have to be smart i think i liked best a little cross set with diamonds that olive used to wear he gave me that too how pleased alwyn must have been yes and of course i was pleased too and then mr gaythorne made alwyn take me over the house what a handsome house it is olive i like it ever so much better than brunswick place i had no idea it was so large but mr gaythorne said that italian palaces 
had spoilt him and that he must always have plenty of space there is a room on the first floor opening into the conservatory that will make a charming morning-room and then the studio is so lovely alwyn has been buying such beautiful things and there is to be a corner fitted up for my use where my embroidery frame can stand i shall so love to watch him work but old olive is it not absurd mr gaythorne talks of refurnishing the drawing-room but it is not the least necessary i want you to convince him of this and to beg him not to spend money so needlessly i have so many nice things of my own all this beautiful china and those inlaid japanese cabinets a new carpet and a little fresh cretonne is all that is needed and i know alwyn agrees with me very well then we must bring mr gaythorne to reason i took mrs crampton into confidence went on greta when she showed me the kitchen and storerooms what a nice creature she is and how admirably she manages there is to be another maid kept so i asked if i might bring merton she has been with us so many years that i should dislike to part with her and alwyn has promised to speak to his father olivia listened and approved there was no mistaking greta's happiness she looked on the bright side of everything and would allow of no drawbacks when olivia ventured to hint that mr gaythorne might be trying at times greta only smiled and said that was very likely only alwyn managed him so beautifully and she hoped in time to do the same i know that he dislikes visitors she went on but as you and dr luttrell are exceptions i do not so much mind and i shall be quite happy with alwyn oh no doubt returned olivia in her quick decided way but you must remember greta dear that we owe a duty to our fellow-creatures and you must not allow mr gaythorne to carry his misanthropical views too far there is no need for him to be troubled with visitors he is far too ailing for much fatigue and exertion but surely you and alwyn can entertain your friends in your own rooms and though greta hesitated and looked rather alarmed at the idea of opposing her formidable father-in-law elect she was soon brought to acknowledge that society would be good for alwyn there is no hurry we can be quiet this first winter she said but of course if people call upon me i shall return their visits but we cannot settle beforehand i shall first wait and see what alwyn wishes and you must own olive that i have not led a gay life here by the by observed olivia suddenly what have you decided to do with this house and furniture but greta had evidently not taken these matters into consideration all the best things will go to galveston house i suppose she replied looking round her but most of the furniture is old-fashioned and not up-to-date i suppose people would call it handsome and of course the oak in the dining-room is in thoroughly good taste i must talk to alwyn about it perhaps it might be let furnished dear father used to say selling furniture was such a mistake one never got the full value i remember how grand i thought it the first day i called returned olivia smiling the drawing-room with that beautiful conservatory opening out of it and the plush curtains and those luxurious couches made me feel so shabby but i suppose the drawing-room at galveston house is still better the glass door opening on the garden is so pleasant and those venetian cabinets and that carved settle are really beautiful yes and it would be such a pity to modernize the room besides what does one want with a drawing-room at all i am sure i never enter mine i shall live in the morning-room and the studio and i suppose in the evenings we shall be in the library ah you are laughing because i have thought it all out in this matter-of-fact way but i assure you i hardly slept last night and then by mutual consent they began on the mysteries of the trousseau 
and they had not half finished when olivia looked at the clock and declared that she had stayed too long the world goes up and the world goes down and the sunshine follows the rain says the old song and human life is certainly made up of passing clouds and gleams of sunshine while alwyn superintended the decorations of the new rooms at galveston house and brought his artistic taste to bear on every petty detail for the use of his lady-love and while greta busied herself over her trousseau dr luttrell was engaged from morning to night among his patients with the damp foggy days of november had come the dreaded epidemic influenza all the doctors were overworked and more than one of them succumbed to the malady amongst them dr bevan marcus who had been devoting himself to his poor patients suddenly found the charge of a large practice thrown on him and had scarcely time to take his meals for a few days dr bevan was extremely ill and even when a short change had recruited his health it was evident that he would never be able to do the same amount of work again he has been overworking himself for years mrs bevan said to marcus with tears in her eyes but he would never spare himself and now dr randolph says that this utter breakdown is the result oh it is all very well for him to say that it is better to wear out than rust out but if a man has a wife and children he has no right to risk his life in this way it might not hurt a younger man to rise from his bed night after night in the depths of winter but for my husband it is simply suicidal when he gets well he must and shall have a partner what is the use of waiting until wilfred is ready to come into the practice for wilfred bevan the eldest son was at that time walking the hospitals and here mrs bevan with her comely face looking quite worn and aged with anxiety hurried away to sit with her husband olivia had her own private anxieties those long solitary days were very trying to her but she never dared be long absent from home lest she should miss one of marcus's flying visits his meals were taken at any odd hour but if he came in for a minute on his morning round there was always a cup of good soup ready for him or later in the day some hot coffee but perhaps the best cordial to the tired harassed doctor was the sight of his wife's bright face he would drink the soup snatch up his little daughter for a kiss and go back to his work refreshed but even to him the strain was excessive olivia who was unwilling to damp greta's cheerfulness would pour out her troubles to her aunt madge and mrs broderick would listen with her usual sympathy i hope it is not wicked of me aunt madge she would say but i do feel so worried and anxious marcus declares he is quite well but he is so tired every night that he can hardly drag himself to bed and when morning comes he is not a bit rested i think dr bevan's illness has made me nervous for i am always dreading that marcus will break down too women need lot of faith don't they livy doctors wives as well as soldiers wives but i am not sure that you need fear for marcus he is really strong and at his age a little hard work will not hurt him he has his laurels together you must remember that it is an ill wind that blows no one any good but olivia who was tired and depressed was not so ready to be comforted i would rather go on being poor than see my poor boy work so hard she said mournfully but it is not only that aunt madge marcus is very tender-hearted and it makes him so unhappy when he loses a patient of course i know why he looked so dull last night that poor young fellow basil greenwood is dead yes i know dr randolph was called in returned mrs broderick but a hundred physicians could not have saved him the fever ran too high he was only eighteen and his poor mother doted on him and now she is ill too they called marcus up last night 
he did not get back till nearly five but i had the fire lighted and some hot cocoa ready for him marcus scolded me he is always so afraid of my knocking up but i know he was glad of the cocoa i tell greta that i cannot be much with her just now i am so afraid of missing him when he comes in and of course she understands but it is a little hard for her poor child greta is very good returned aunt madge she makes the best of things by the by what is this i hear of the grand new dress for the wedding and then olivia did brighten up a little greta had begged in the most loving way that olivia's dress and bonnet for the occasion should be her gift and the dark heliotrope silk and dainty bonnet to match were at that moment in greta's wardrobe i tell greta that it is far too handsome replied olivia and that marcus will object to my being so smart but she only laughs at me there is such a lovely cape to go with it but somehow in spite of greta's kindness i shall not enjoy it one bit unless marcus has time to go with me oh he will make time don't be so lugubrious livy you are just out of heart about things but we must have cloudy days some time don't you remember what longfellow says nothing that is can pause or stay the moon will wax the moon will wane the mist and cloud will turn to rain the rain to mist and cloud again to-morrow be to-day yes and november fogs will pass too well dear aunt madge i must go and as usual you have cheered me up what should i do without you i wonder i am glad you find the old log useful returned mrs broderick so come and grumble as often as you like greta is coming to tea with me to-morrow and mr alwyn has promised to fetch her why don't you come too and you shall have a real scotch tea bannocks and scones and seed-cake but olivia shook her head at this tempting invitation marcus had asked her to go round to the model lodging-houses she said to see two families in trouble and then it was that poor boy's funeral and then mrs broderick said no more poor livy she said to herself as she lay alone in the twilight one may make light of her little troubles but they are real to her and i do not wonder that she worries over marcus dr randolph was only speaking of him this morning he told me what a splendid worker he was bevan may be thankful to have got hold of such a man those were his very words but he must be prudent and not burn the candle at both ends as bevan did the foul fiend has got hold of harris now he is dr mordaunt's partner and was married a few weeks ago apollyon as we call it at our house does not spare doctors but i hope i really do hope that livy has not heard this End of chapter twenty one